Welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and here with me, as always, is Father Chuck. Hey. And Matt Wells. Hi. And we are here to bring you some more MOD goodness. What is that slurping noise? It is me taking a sip of a beverage. Uh, a 7-Up? An ice cold 7-Up, yes. <laughs> uh, a nice uh, orange slice, maybe? Orange crush. Orange crush. <laughs> well, uh, if you've been listening, and if you tuned in last week, you'll notice that Matt is trying to hold back <laughs> a laugh, and it's extremely noticeable, and it's really throwing me off, especially because I don't really know how to start this episode. I don't, I don't even know why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. To, well, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable it's because, situation. It's because ice cold seven up is a funny phrase. Well, we, we're, in a, we're in an uncomfortable situation and we need to make the most out of it. <laughs> uh, yes, that is it. <clears throat> Carry on, please. All right. Continue. All right. Uh, if you've been listening. It's great value lemon lime soda. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's Club. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Shasta. Shasta. <laughs> I'm just gonna go home. We're just gonna start over. I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Bye. Oh, uh, this this podcast and soda. Mm. <laughs> hey, though for those, um, I guess I guess it wasn't on the Masters of Divinity thread. I guess it was just to your personal one, the one that Patrick Clemson sent about that quote from Roy Wood Jr. about about fire sauce and Baja Blast and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. Very inspirational. I don't know about that quote. Experience. I feel left out. Well, maybe you should go to my Facebook page. Or do we say that anymore? My timeline? I don't know. We don't use Facebook anymore, JP. <laughs> Did maybe you we should. It? Did you tweet it? Did you Snapchat me? It's No, it's, it's on my I don't even time. know. What's, what's cool it's, now? It's, Snap, Snapchat, Snapchat, I guess. Snapchat. But it's, Snapchat. That, that's kind of dying now. I don't know what they're doing now. They're, I don't know. Uh, Instagram signals. stories. Instagram stories. But that's basically Carrier Snapchat. pigeons. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's Instagram, so it's cooler. Mail it to me. <laughs> Sure. Anyway, if you've been listening, especially last week's episode, uh, this month of September, we kind of have a, a little theme going where each of us is going to choose a topic as opposed to uh, us coming to consensus over a topic. Can we, uh, can we call this theme roulette? Theme roulette. That works. We'll call it theme roulette. Theme roulette. This is theme roulette. And uh, <laughs> last week, Chuck chose religion. We had a great discussion about that. Um, and if you listened to last week's episode, uh, I was singled out to choose this week's theme. And I have decided it took a lot of thinking, guys. I actually initially I was going to go rogue and I was just going to not really have a theme. And I was just going to ask you questions that are sort of on like our, our topic blacklist. <laughs> Thank you for just ruining to... my plans for next week. Ooh, now our now our <laughs> listener now our listeners are aware that there is a topic blacklist. Uh, there, there's a bit of an unwritten blacklist. Yeah, there, there's definitely some subjects that uh, we're, we've kind of decided not to, not to. And I was just going to just randomly ask you each questions, very specific yes. question. Unwritten, yes. Loudly <laughs> spoken, also yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious uh, about these questions, though. I'm, I would be curious. Yeah, but. Uh, and some of them will range from very deep and topical and 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 relevant to uh, I don't know, fun and. Not that deep. So before you get to the topic, do you have one example of a fun, not that deep one, for each of us? 
what does your air guitar sound like? <laughs> I don't. I don't. That's that's deep. You said fun. <laughs> How's it deep? Mine sounds like a squealing flying V with flames airbrushed on it. Well, you have to like actually do it. Like, oh, gotcha. Okay. All right. So mine, mine sounds. That does sound like a, like a V, like a flying V guitar. That does sound like something would come out of a flying V guitar. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I, I give it, I give it an eight, an eight out of ten. Matt, how about you? I broke the strings on my silent guitar <laughs> and I smashed it on the floor. <laughs> you ever notice that when people talk about air guitar, like when they talk about their air guitar and the sound, it's always like it's always like a guitar hit, like a electric guitar, like Eddie Van Halen kind of solo sound. It's never like. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Nobody's like a drop D, like metal guitar. <laughs> I don't. My, mine is usually a brown, brown, brown. I like oh. the feedback. So like, like, like early, like, like Zeppelin era. Oh no, I'm sorry. Not, um, 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 early uh, like '70s Black Sabbath era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. I've been watching a lot of Bill and Ted lately. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so this week's topic. <laughs> so this week's topic is failure. We've all done it. Well, we just maybe, did it. Maybe not Matt. <laughs> I never fail. <laughs> failure. We've all done it. We're all familiar with it. We're all accustomed to it. If it hasn't happened to you, it will. True. Some of us have failed big. Some of us have failed small. I just want to preface this by saying that I think it's, I actually think, and not just because I came up with this idea, I think it's great that we're talking about failure because we are a very small podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very small audience. Um, we, uh, we aren't exactly doing, uh, Mark Marin numbers or, uh, Chris Hardwick numbers or, um, or my next door neighbor numbers. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you trying to say that our, our podcast is a failure, JB? No, no, Chuck. No, Father Chuck. No, I would never say oh, oh, He's no. saying our listeners are failures for not sharing us. <laughs> That's, they're like a basket of deplorables. Oh. Our listeners. We are, we are topical here on Masters of Divinity. Blacklist. Blacklist. <laughs> I, I love our listeners. <laughs> uh, no, I do love this. Nobody here is a failure. But we are – my point is we haven't exactly attained what some podcasters would define as podcast success. But you have to kind of define success, you know, for yourself, I, especially for this podcast. Well, and I'm, and I'm glad you asked that – you just said that, JP, because as I was driving over here tonight, I was thinking about – was you talking about failure? The, the, the thought it popped in my head about, well, how do we define success? Because you have to kind of have an idea of what success is in order to know what failure is. Right. And I thought about bringing it up, but I didn't want to sound like I was deflecting the topic or whatever. So since you brought it up, that might be something a little bit really quickly to address. Okay. What do you guys think success is? I think success is whether or not you feel overall happy and content with your situation in life. Okay. I think that's success. I think the problem is, though, is I, I think people put that uh, wanting to feel content, you know, that's sort of like, I'm not going to feel content unless I'm a billionaire. Yeah, right. And I, but I think that when you say that, that's, that's, that's not being content. No. Right? Like... I think contentment properly understood is learning to be satisfied where you're at now mm-hmm. and accepting where you're at now, regardless of the circumstances. And so in that sense, I think there's you are successful because, you know, you can say, well, oh, I could make more money or I, 
you know, I could do this thing over here. I could do that. But if I don't, I'm satisfied with where I'm at. Um, If you don't feel satisfied with where you're at, if you're, you know, you know, I think that that's, that's an important thing. I think, but I think it's also important to temper that with this idea of, of making sure that your criteria of satisfaction and contentment are not ones that are imposed on you by sort of a, a culture that tells you what it ought to be. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I've been, my wife and I just started watching mad men. And one of the things that has really struck me about that show in the first season, we just wrapped up the first season is the ways in which the characters all seem to internalize that having a big house with a wife and kids is sort of, this is success and this is what we're supposed to have. And that weirdly, as they are creating this world through their work of advertising, Mm -hmm. they are also somewhat buying into it. And that this show, of course, is kind of lifting behind the veil to say that, no, like this exterior, this exterior stuff is not what happiness and contentment is all about. There's, there, there are more spiritual things that make people content. And so I'm, I'm, so I'm struck by that idea. And I, and I think that a lot of times we do buy into that when we think of success, that success means lots, you know, a certain degree of money or a certain size house or living in a certain neighborhood or having a certain kind of something, you know, I think there's like, it's, it's sort of like an edge of the pool that you never really reach. You, right. you know, we, 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 we put these markers on it. And I think we have to be aware of that to some degree, you know, to me, it's, can I end my life today? Okay. With what I've accomplished or whatever. That, that, that to me is, is, is probably the better criteria. Um, but you know, we, it's always involved self-investigation and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think is the ingrained definition a success is at least in our culture and our immediate culture. Matthew. How does Matt? culture tend to define success? Is that what we're asking? Our culture. So not, so not what is true success, but how does you, culture tend to view success? Yeah. I think, I think our culture tends to define success as achieving influence and your purpose. So achieving mm, influence purpose. and your personal purpose is how I would I would word it. So whatever you decide your purpose is, if you can show that you've achieved that and do it in such a way that you reach a level of influence around with people around you, then you have achieved success. I think that's how our generation tends to view it. Because I I think think before, I think the lingering thing, the American, the Americanized idea of success, the lingering thing is power and money. Um, it tends to be if you can achieve more power and have money, then you're successful. Um, and I think to our generation, it's transferred. Um, power has become influence, and money has become a more of a means to influence people toward uh, your idea of purpose. So mm. you have like a goal that you set out to achieve, and if you can achieve that goal and influence other people to buy into that goal, then that's success, I think. Does that make sense? Do we agree, disagree? Father Chuck is in thought. I'm in thought, yeah. I I think I agree. I think I agree. (laughs) I mean, I'm just trying to think of it in terms of, like, in social media terms. Like, it seems to me that kind of thing of, like, you're successful if you have a lot of followers. Mm -hmm. You know? You're successful if you have a lot of brand engagement and brand recognition. So that idea of influence and power, 
um, I think is, is all part and parcel of that. Yeah. Well, and I think in the millennial generation, we've gotten rid of the word power because we're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Power is a negative thing to us. People in power use it to. Right, that's the bad guys. Bad guys have power, yeah. Right. So we want influence because we want to influence people to change in the manner we think change mm-hmm. needs to be done. Right, which is power. Which is yeah. power. No, and I'm privilege, totally, by the way. Well, I'm agreeing. I, I, that's how I agree that it's a it's a filtering down of mm-hmm. what's always been. I, mean, I wasn't I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was. Oh, I know. For our listeners know. hearing, I'm trying we're, to we're remind digging, them. We're digging deeper here. We're going. We're, <laughs> we're trying to explain it further. But yeah, well, I think power has become influence. Um, and again, same thing. Money is just opportunity for more influence. I think it's funny that you bring up Twitter, uh, Chuck. Um, I think social media has is sort of transforming our definition of success and our view of success. Branding is very important. Um, anyone can have a brand now. Like it, you don't even have to sell anything. <laughs> anyone with a Facebook profile has a brand now. And a lot of our arguments that I see on Twitter usually comes down to, oh, that's great. How many followers do you have? Yeah. I see that a lot. And it also kind of reminds me of um, uh, there's this sort of kind of famous exchange between Tom from MySpace and some random dude on Twitter. And I forgot what Tom was saying. He, did, he, he tweeted something. And then some random dude responded uh, something about MySpace failing or whatever. Like he's he's being a smart aleck. And then Tom responded with... Um, I sold her for $500 million and you're still working to keep your shirt on. That was sort of his way of saying, like, you can't say anything critical of me because I have millions and millions of dollars and super successful and super rich. You have nothing. You're poor. Well, that's kind of like um, like a Star Trek message board fight that I saw with um, Bob Orchi and, like, a random Star Trek fan or a group of them. Talking about how awful Star Trek Into Darkness was and how much they hated it, and like, and they hated, and they didn't like, you know, they felt that the that the two J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies were not good. I mean, you know, some of the fans also don't like the first one, but anyway, there was this whole back and forth, and Orchie just like kind of lost it, and um, as he does, right, and he just was like his his trump card was um, was well, they made the most money of any Star Trek film ever. Like that was like his whole thing is it because he made a bunch of money and so that's the same kind of thing like it's made a bunch of money so therefore it's like it's it you can't criticize it right and I think it, that's what it all kind of boils down to yeah some sort of some sort of numerical qualification behind mm-hmm. uh, behind success you know yeah or some kind of yeah to say like oh if you don't have a million followers I, this is really random it makes me think of this Pedro the Lion song um, yeah. Um, for those who don't know about Pedro the Lion, um, now um, just David Bazan um, as a soloist. Um, we're, we're a Christian band. Um, David Bazan, singer-songwriter, primary creative force behind that uh, musical endeavor, um, has had his own struggles with faith and kind of left the church in, in, in recent years and has done some really brutally honest songwriting um, through that process of transformation and transition. But anyway, he, um, he does a song um, on the album Control, that says, um, um, it says, if it isn't moving units, then it's not worth the expense. If it isn't, what is it? If it isn't making dollars, then it isn't making sense. And then he gets a little risque by saying, if it isn't penetration, then it isn't worth the kiss. Then even the song's penetration. But that idea of that, if it's not, if it's not producing something tangible, it's not worth your time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's something that we all find, kind of fall into in our culture. Um, I know I see it in the church. There's always, you know, the, the, the churches say, oh, we don't care about numbers. They're the ones who are like the, the next the next sentence out of their mouth is their average worship attendance or their baptisms that year or whatever. Like we don't care about numbers. No, no, the numbers. But we blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we're we're caught into that that trap of success. Um, mm-hmm. But I realize we're probably talking more about success than failure. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to cap it off. I want to ask you guys, how many people do you think believe in our and our what we defined as success, actual success? I think they're probably more than we would like. I think there's probably more than we than we expect that feel a general sense of satisfaction with their lives. I really do. I, I read something years ago that really kind of surprised me. And it was um, that people who work a nine to five job in a cubicle statistically are the happiest people in America. The stability and all of that allows them to feel satisfied and happy. The most unsat- the most dissatisfied people in America, the most unhappy people, are creative types. Um, people who have jobs in, or well, people who have jobs in creative fields. They're the most unsatisfied. Yeah. They're the right. ones who are most unhappy. But it's interesting that our perception of nine to five work in pop culture is created by artist types who hate that and see it as a prison and see it as, you know, something they, they, something they never want to be a part of. You know, they, they left that to be, you know, pursue life as a film director or a painter or a storyteller or whatever. And, and so they, they've created a sort of pop culture perception that working, you know, kind of like Bodhi in, um, what is it, Bodhi in um, Point Break at the end, you know, Patrick Swayze's character, he talks about like, you know, he could never be in some nine to five prison, you know. Uh, they're in, in steel cages, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that whole, the highways in steel cages. Right. Like that whole concept, like we, you know, the whole idea of a rat race and all that stuff. Um, yeah. That whole concept, like we all think of it that way. And I think we've all internalized that in some ways or another. But the reality is actually quite different when we look at it from a statistical and qualified stance that – you know, a lot of people actually like the fact that, you know, their their job is, you know, the idea of a nine to five job, it allows them to have creative pursuits, allows them to have other things going on. They know that they can check in for their job for like eight hours a day. They can check out at the end of the day and then they can do other things with it. I mean, you know, like people who do like elaborate cosplay at at, fan, at cons and stuff, most of them aren't doing that professionally. They've got other jobs. They're teachers. They're working office jobs. They're doing whatever, and they've worked out this part of their life that they that they enjoy it, and they find right. you know they tend to be pretty happy and satisfied people. Um, so, so I'm so because of that, I think statistically there are people who do feel more satisfied than we would like to think because I think the pop culture media perception between like television movies and other things would lead us to believe that most people are unsatisfied and that if, you know, we could all just get everybody to live sort of like an indie film life and just have, you know, their manic pixie dream girl come and just sort of liberate them from their gray beige existence of wearing neckties and all that nonsense, um, that we would have a better world. But it's funny you bring that up because I might be talking about Elizabeth Town a little bit in this podcast. I think you should. I think you should. Um, I kind of wish I'd watched it in preparation for it. I know you watched it the other day. Yeah. Or the movie Wanted. <laughs> I've not seen it. It's, Wanted is like the action version of the uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Oh, uh, yeah. I've seen parts of that movie. Um, uh, so let's – okay. Well, then shut up, success. Let's talk about failure. Okay. Matt, has there ever been a time where you – like when J.K. Rowling says, when she hit rock bottom, where you feel like there you're in, 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 at the bottom of a hole, 
um, and there was no climbing out. You could see the light at the end of the tunnel, but that light was probably mostly just your imagination. Have you ever been in that situation? I'm not going to ask you to get specific about that situation. We don't have to get personal on this podcast. What time is it right now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that that's a, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, that is a daily thing for me. Really? Really? Um, I think that I daily have a time of day where I'm faced with this concept of like, I've achieved nothing, I've gone nowhere, I've failed everything. Um, Because, I mean, it's pretty common on our podcast, but if you're new, hi. Um, Because I'm the stay-at-home dad right now, and it kind of fights against the whole... Uh, mindset of what most of culture thinks I should be doing as a as a male in America, a white mm-hmm. middle class male in America, and so I would say that uh, about the time I'm changing that second diaper of the day, I'm facing the uh, my life is achieving nothing. I've failed. I'm going nowhere. Um, but I don't think that. I can think of a time where I specifically have an example, like here's what mm-hmm. happened where I feel like I failed. Um, but I'd say that I, I have like a kind of a daily, a daily struggle that happens with the concept really? of failure. Always kind of wondering, what am I supposed to be doing? What, where am I supposed to be at right now? And that's kind of a revert. It's kind of a different way of looking at. The, the idea of I'm a failure. If I'm going, where am I supposed to be right now? It's implying that I'm a failure being where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say I face that um, at some point throughout the day, um, probably daily, that I, I have that concept run through my head. As far as, so what did you find as the answer? How do you get out of it? Um, well, you, you know, you don't have to come with an answer. That, that's I feel like it's kind of impossible. Yeah. My, my first statement is that it's impossible for me to tell anybody how to get out of that. But at the same time, it's not possible for me to offer insight into it. And I would say that if people, if you met me personally and we had a deep conversation about Matt and his life and how do you feel your life is going and where did you want your life to go? Where do you want it to go from here? I think that that if I'm being honest, I would talk about the, the feeling of me being a failure. But I would also say that I have these moments where I glimpse um, how much more uh, my life is full right now than I ever could have planned for it to be. I have these moments where I get a small glimpse of how much whatever I'm doing matters. And those are the moments that remind me that where I'm at is where I need to be and what I need to be doing is focusing on being there rather than um, my concept of where do I go next. I'd say like, for example, there's the obvious one, watching my daughter get on a school bus for the first time to go off to kindergarten. As she climbs on that bus and I realize she's going to be gone the entire day after she's been home with me every single day for the last like year and a half, almost two years, so a little more than a year and a half, Um, watching her get on that bus and realizing everything that we've done for the last year and a half is going with her and how she's going to interact with people there and what she will... Um, talk about and be okay with and feel comfortable with or 
or um, what will scare her and cause her to like, I want to go home, um, is all based on the influence I had over all this time I spent with her. And then if you really want the like, the in a good way, the like knife in your heart moment, it was the first day her getting off the bus and her running to me and saying, Daddy, I missed you. Um, and when she said that, it was like, I'll just rip my heart out. Like, seriously, <laughs> my, my concept of I need to be somewhere else doing something else. And then she runs off that bus and is like, Daddy, I missed you. Like, the best thing I ever could have been was home with her. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. You guys drag me away from her on Monday nights. And she she gives me the guilt trip every Monday. Like, you're leaving. I want you here with me. I miss you. Um, well, she's just going to have to deal with it. So. Yeah, I mean, they got to grow up. Suck it up. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, those are... I would say that when you're in the moment of feeling like right now is the failure, it's it's holding on to those glimpses of how much what you're doing matters, wherever that is. Um, if you can't find that, then find friends who can help point it out for you, because sometimes we're blind to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm lost in that moment, sometimes I need my wife to say the same, say the thing that uh, I'm going to admit it's it's super annoying sometimes in the moment. Um, but it's true. I need her to say what you're doing right now is the most important thing you could be doing. Um, and here's why. You need those, those words of affirmation you, yeah, you from need, the, the five love languages? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's your love language? No, That's my, how you receive love? No, let's be honest. My love language is physical touch, but we're not going to get into that in this. But yeah, we don't touch me. That's, <laughs> that's just disturbing. I, I don't, I have to leave now. Ah, uh, Chapman. Ah, um, uh, Chapman. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, you, if you're, if you're lost in that, like if you're, if you're listening to this right now and you're going, yeah, but my life is a failure and nothing I do is successful, then I would say, talk to the people around you, tell them that, and somebody's going to help um, point out that just being here, you matter. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's enough to get you to the, the next morning. And then the next morning you go from there. Um, because I, I think I told JP before I had my I have my motivational speaker, um, my motivational speaker journey all planned out and my whole slogan of which way is this moving you? Remember, JP, me driving you nuts with my slogan, which way yes. is this moving you? Um, that every every decision we make and every step that we take is actually one question and that's which way is this moving me? Is this moving me a step toward who I believe I'm created to be? Or is it moving me a step away? So everything down to exercise. I should get up and run in the morning, but I don't want to. I don't feel like it. Well, which way is that going to move me? Is it going to move me toward who I think I should be or away from it? Um, down to the important stuff. Like if I just lie about this, nobody's going to know. Well, which way would it move me though? Does it move me toward who I'm supposed to be or who I'm away from? Which uh, topic for another podcast, great way to talk about sin. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is anything that takes you a step away would be the sin. But sometimes you're lost in the feeling that I'm a failure, that I'm not going anywhere, I'm not achieving anything. Um, because it's human, it's what we do. Uh, we we doubt ourselves most and look down on ourselves quickest. Um, and I'd say talk to people around you, and they'll give you the, those words of affirmation to so that you can take that next step toward who you want to be. Okay. And that 
by the way, would be my definition of success is that more of my steps are moving toward who I'm supposed to be than away from them. It would be my concept of, of successful. All right. All right. Well, that's wonderful, Matt. I, uh, I'm, glad you th- I'm really glad that you shared that. But now that we've talked about big failure or feeling like a failure, what about like smaller failures? Um, whether it's like not Chuck, being he's, short, he's shorter than me and he's a failure. So how do you well, feel, Chuck? No, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, not being able to uh, keep a promise. So maybe maybe like, a, like a consistent dropping the ball of something at work or with your family or with friends or something. Yeah, little failures here and there. Like I can talk about little failures, things I've tried in ministry that haven't worked out, you know, things I attempted. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I have some really, I have some personality stuff that I know that I need in my own life, you know, work on, you know, I'm a, I'm a terrible procrastinator. I have a huge tendency to, to make big plans and statements and just with very little follow through. Um, that's something that I'm, that's a very consistent issue of mine. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what any kind of remedy to that is in in the sense of, (laughs) other than just like develop, just kind of buckling down and doing it. Um, I think, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I've recognized a couple of, of those kinds of things in my life. I mean, I think there's, there's, there's two different types of failure in, in this sense. There's the failure in the sense of like, all right, we're going to try something and we're going to see where it goes. Right. Um, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like for example, um, I, you know, I tried a, um, I tried a, uh, I tried a couple of things at church, you know, like at a previous church, I tried doing, um, every Wednesday night, a, a service of sung evening prayer, um, trying to teach people to chant or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I pretty much only had one other person show up on any given week, you know, so it was like, we tried it and it didn't work out. So we, that, that stopped, you know? Um, but that's, that just comes from experimentation, right? That mm-hmm. just comes from, uh, right, yeah, yeah. but then there's like, then there's the kinds of failures that are sort of personal psychological things that, you know, that are within your own character that you have to learn to deal with. And those are the things that I talk about, like with like lack of follow through, like saying like, you know, you know, well, one that I think of with my, with my wife and I, if Kane listens to this episode, this could be an interesting conversation later, but is, um, cause she's like a month or two behind on our podcast. So I'll be having this conversation like two months from now, but say she's failing to listen to our podcast. No, I'm not saying that. Um, what, but, um, you know, I think back to uh, Christmas, I had made all these plans. We were going to go to New York. We were going to go see wicked. We were going to do all this stuff. We made these plans to do it and I never paid for any of it. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, like I said, it was going to happen, and then you know, we we made the plans, but then uh, I just I just lacked my own follow through due to you know I was kind of embarrassed. You know, I wasn't making a whole lot of money working what I was working. I thought I was going to have you know I thought I was going to be able to do something, and I just it was lack of follow through. Um, that was one where I think it's like combination of my own issues while also like my own life circumstance at that time. I I made a promise I shouldn't have made, um, a promise that I probably deep down knew that I couldn't keep, and I shouldn't have done that. Um, but then I have the ones where it's like, you know, you have, um, you, know, you say you're going to do something and then circumstances affect it. And that's a, you know, that's again, a different kind of failure situation. So, I mean, there's different right. ways we can talk about this stuff and there's different emotions attached to all of them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And that, and, and that's, and as you're talking, that's where I was going when you, when you were asking the question, um, that's where my mind went immediately. Like you said, promises, failing to keep promises to people. 
um, immediately I went to the idea of there's there's several different kinds of failure. Um, there's failure in the attempt of I tried something and it didn't work out, um, which I'll actually say I wish my life was filled with a lot more of um, failure yeah. where I tried it and it didn't happen mm -hmm. uh, because I actually think that is an amazing thing to have your life filled with is that type of failure. Um, and then there's failure to keep a promise. And in the situation of that, it's almost like a failure of character in mm -hmm. that sense. Mm -hmm. And then you have to really get honest with yourself and let yourself off the hook for the things that are not within your control, such as, like, I told somebody I'd be there, but then my grandma died. Um, obviously not in your control. And then you also need to accept responsibility for the failure that is within your control and I think uh, I automatically think of the verse of let your yes be yes and your no be no. Right. right. Um, if I'm making promises and consistently failing them, then I need to stop making promises until I can right. step back and own up to what I can or can't do. Um, so there's two types within that. There's You and have that, to reexamine what part of this do I need to let myself off the hook for, meaning realize I'm a human being. There are things outside of my control. And there's also things that... Um, I got into that I thought we could do and we found out we couldn't. And so the, the I promised we'd get it done, found out we couldn't. Let yourself off for the part of it that wasn't within your control and then accept responsibility for the fact that you shouldn't make promises um, that you can't keep. So find out what, be honest with yourself, which ones were completely outside my control and how can I remedy them now? Um, and which ones did I just have no business telling people, yeah, I'll do this, and then not doing it. Yeah, and um, that second one's a good one because that involves a lot of self-reflection and a better understanding of yourself. And it doesn't mean that then you necessarily have to, you know, you have to be like, okay, well, now these are the promises. Like I have to, I, I have to make good on all of these from here right. on out. No, it just means, well, no. I stop making. You know, I, I'm not that person. So yeah. this, oh, yeah. this is the person that I am. I'm not that person. I'm this person. Yeah, and mm -hmm. sometimes, and so, sometimes it may mean going back and telling people, um, I'm sorry, but I, yeah. I should, I yeah. should not have told you that that would get done. And yeah. sometimes it's just realizing next time, don't, <clears throat> don't say you'll do it because yeah. you know you can't. <laughs> um, when when I was in college, I I really prided myself on the fact that I was very good at keeping promises. If uh, if JP had something scheduled, he did it. If there was a goal that had to be achieved, JP did it. Mm -hmm. And um, as I was becoming a, a, when I joined the missions planning team, I realized, you know, kind of playing more with that idea that I, I always follow through. I took on sort of more responsibility and more opportunities to sort to, to follow through on, on that idea of who I who I am. That is when I learned that. I am not a multitasker, <laughs> right? Because I remember quadruple booking something in one day, and uh, wow, <laughs> yeah, quadruple booking—something only a dumb college kid would do with that's a lot like, of responsibility that's and like power. Six hundred bookings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why, like, getting a, getting my putting all of my calendars and stuff on my phone and my watch has really helped me with my scheduling and those sorts of things. Right, but I will say something about you, JP, if you'll let me. Unless you uh, you had your finger up, like you were. Gonna... Well, if you want to say something great about me, that's fine. Go ahead. Uh, well, here's what I here's something that I, I think it's an added thing, and I don't know if there's something you're aware of of yourself, but because of that keeping promises, um, personality trait of yours, mm -hmm. I think you also have a tendency to do that at the expense of your own happiness and well being. 
I think you, you often will put other people above yourself. You might, you might be right about that. And this is all part of the, the, the conversation, we were, the, the comments we were, Matt and I were just making, I think, is this sense of being aware of who you are and making adjustments. I mean, boundaries are a huge important thing. And learning how to boundary yourself and being able to say, actually, no, I, I can't do that. I'll tell you, that was something for me. Like I'm a, I've inherited from my, throughout my family, because um, a lot of my family is like this, I've inherited um, people-pleasing kinds of qualities and wanting everyone to like me Mm -hmm. um, and not wanting to ever disappoint someone. So I, I learned in recent years, the power of saying no and how healthy and helpful that can be. Right. And that that's not failure, right? Because it's only failure if I say yes and I can't follow through or it's failure if I say yes and then I feel like garbage afterward because I said yes. Right, right. Saying no to something, it might upset them. That's fine, but that's not failure on my part. You know, and I could give examples of that left and right that probably violate some kind of privacy clause because a lot of them deal with weddings. But the, the, but the fact is, is like you have to, you know, saying no is not failure. And I think that's an important wrinkle in this conversation because I think a lot of people think that the word no, because it is literally negative, is associated with failure. Mm-hmm. And failure is only – failure is external in a lot of cases. Like it's not – you know, it's, you know, it's, 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 it failures either, it, it can be due to your own actions, of course, but I mean, it's not like, not too many people set out to fail. Right. That's yeah. Not of course. Unless you're Marilyn Manson, that sort of <laughs> his whole concept was to, to be the bottom of the barrel intentionally. <laughs> um, but most people don't, they, they, you know, they, they go out. So failure is somewhat of a, it, it's circumstantial. It's not so much, you right. know, willful chosen thing. Does that make yeah. sense? But anyway. Makes perfect sense. So we were talking about, you know, I was talking about how throughout my own failures, I, I learned that I was not the, the follow through person I thought I was. We selected a couple of things to read and watch before we took on this topic. Uh, Matt is shaking his head no. And I just want to acknowledge that he has failed this podcast. I, fa- I failed my homework. <laughs> hey, hey. Great, we're even now because I failed homework that we one are, time. Because I did that's my homework. Totally, that's totally why I actually I just didn't read or watch it. You chose to fail to, just to lift you up, <laughs> Father Chuck, because that's how amazing You're I am. Jerk! I am an awesome human being, and I wanted to uplift you and encourage you. No, I failed. I um, yeah, no, I'm a failure. You want to lead? You want to lean into this uncomfortable experience right now? <laughs> sure, go for it. <laughs> All right, so we, 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 we selected a couple of, of uh, 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 I don't know, articles, whatever. One article, one video. One was an interview with Stephen Colbert. It was so uh, good. So comic good. genius Stephen Colbert, who talked about uh, when he was performing in Second City, which is sort of like basically comedy school for people who want to do improv. A lot of fans, people went there. He's Steven Spielberg, tip of the iceberg. Uh, his mentor there told him that he needs to embrace failure. Let's say learn to love the bomb. Learn to love the bomb. Right. Because if you're going to bomb on, th- on stage, you still need to find, figure out a way to make them laugh. Right. Right. But like you said, and, truly love it. Not like love it. Not, not like fail in like, you know, in spite of it or whatever. Like learn to love failure. Right. He loves it so much that he creates uncomfortable moments in his real life. Yes. <laughs> like he talks about going onto, onto elevators and just singing. Yeah. 
And the way he and the way he describes the feeling of those uncomfortable moments leads me to believe that he is not lying because I know that moment he's talking about. He's talking about how it's like you're in that moment where you just want it to end. Right. And he's like, you have to love that. And I can't I can't imagine myself ever loving that. I feel that feeling a lot, guys. <laughs> I feel that a lot when I edit this podcast. Not about you, me. Um which is why I'm the one that edits it. Right. Um, so I can't even imagine you that. I mean, how, how could someone apply what Stephen Colbert is talking about to their lives if they're not a comedian on stage? Because it's mostly about, you know, being uh, on stage. But the way, the way oh. he talks about it, and by the way, for those, for our listeners who are curious about this, this was a, was it, it was Esquire GQ. 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 Um, for the we'll, listeners, post we'll post it later. Yeah, we'll post it. You have to, it is, it is an excellent art, it's an excellent article. But it, it almost gets to like a Zen kind of Eastern philosophy kind of place about this yeah. idea of learning of learning to love failure and to like sort of, you know, he like makes these like regular for, forays into uncomfortable situations. You know what? I bet Bill Murray went to Second City too. Yeah, I bet he does the same thing. He oh, was, I'm sure he was probably his mentor. <laughs> He's the one who told him that in the first. Well, book. if you read the article, they named the guy. <laughs> Yeah, I I knew it was from GQ. I could have answered that question because I clicked on the link, uh, but I didn't have time to <laughs> I didn't have time to read it. But <laughs> but no, I you know JP, I, I think about that when I read that article uh, last year when it came out. Um, I wrote the I wrote a couple of quotes like "Learn to love the bomb" and and one of the other ones for oh um the process of process is process. It's another line in there. Um, <laughs> I wrote both of those down on post-it notes and stuck them to my computer at my desk because like I just found them to be so influential. But that idea of learning to love failure, and I I kind of want to take this to a Christian to a really Christian theology place, and I don't know if that's a distraction from where we're wanting to go with this right now. No, that's fine. So just really briefly, this with the Christian theology thought is that at the heart of the Christian faith is failure because Jesus failed, right? I mean, crucifixion, him dying on the cross is an act of failure. And I, and I, and I, you know, we could, I know we, we, we have other things we want to talk about. I think we could take this to a really deep place. And so I, I, I'm sorry that I brought it up because I, I think <laughs> that, that's what we do uh, here, man. But like, this is what we play for. But at the heart of the, but at the heart of the Christian faith is this story of failure. Um, you know, of, of, and, and I mean that in the sense of he was rejected by everyone, uh, mostly everyone. Um, like three people were at the, were, were there, you know, watching him die and supporting him or whatever. But like, um, he was rejected by some of, by his closest friends. He was rejected by the people who had a week earlier been embracing him. I mean, he was just, it was rejection, rejection, rejection. And at the heart of it is this ultimate rejection. Even some theologians say that there's a sense that even God rejects him because of, um, Christ yells, you know, Father, for, or, um, you know, why have you, forsaken yeah, me? why have you forsaken me? So at the heart of the Christian message is this moment of failure. And, and it's not a failure in spite of something. It's not like, it's not like this failure exists so that, you know, uh, so that goodness can come out. We can learn from the failure and thing like that. The failures are the point of it. Um, and I think that's a really remarkable thing. Um, and so, I, I'm wondering, you know, Stephen Colbert being very Catholic as he is, if he's sort of tapping into that in his own in his own thinking on this stuff, this sense that at the heart of Christian of, of his own Christian beliefs is this failure that is one that you that 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 is in itself there is redemption, there is power, there is triumph in that in in, in failure, right. 
Yeah, not in spite of failure, but in it itself. Mm. Anyway, that was just that was a thought. All right. Well, uh, the other uh, article or video that was in the thread that Matt did not watch um, oh. was <laughs> was the commencement speech given by J.K. Rowling to the graduating class of Harvard in two thousand eight. Just for the record, I really do want to read and watch these. I can't believe that I I didn't do it on time. I'm a horrible, I, I, horrible I, I think- human being. You would love both of these, Matt. These are both like way up your alley. It's Hor- just so funny. Oh yeah, really, yeah, totally. I really want to see. I I did. I wanted. I wanted to. Um. So J.K. Rowling, I, I love this speech, because what's so what's so great about it, is that it's a commencement speech at Harvard, and the first thing she basically says is, "You're all graduating from Harvard, so you're probably not accustomed to failure." Right. <laughs> Which is like. Such a great thing for J.K. Rowling to say because she didn't go to Harvard. You know, like, I mean, she's one of the most successful people in the world. She didn't go to Harvard to get that success. She had to crawl out of this horrible hole right. to get where she is. Well, and it's, and it's a perfect statement because in some ways it's a celebration and in other ways it's a dig. Because right. it's like you're at Harvard either because you have worked your butt off to get to Harvard or you're there because mommy and daddy have paid your way exactly. to get to Harvard. Like It's a it's, – when, when that speech, she's so great. I love her. I really, oh yeah. Um, but one of the things that she talks about that I, that I thought is great, and you know, what I w- really wanted to get at earlier uh, was talking about. I learned I'm not a multitasker. She said that in your failures, you learn more about yourself. Right. When you experience failure, um, you see, like friendship is actually tested. Right. Like. Uh, friendship, your relationships, your family, all that stuff. You can actually see it in action. And that, that kind of goes with, I think, a lot of what Stephen Colbert was talking about, embracing failure. Um, I don't think – I mean, when she, when she talks about failure, she doesn't talk about it in the same way of, like, Stephen Colbert talks about it anyway. I mean, what she went through was dreadful. I mean, like, Colbert is talking about, like, creative performance failure. Right. Like, he's talking about it in the sense of being on stage and it not working out. Which is a little bit different than like you don't know where your next meal is going to come from, right? Kind yeah. of failure, mm-hmm. or you know, everyone you know and love hates you, right? And what's what's failure. what's interesting about what she was going through? She said that she had hit rock bottom, and that was where she built her foundation, her new mm-hmm. foundation, right? So it's like she talks about how her parents wanted her to find just a normal job. To, that pays for a pension and all that kind of stuff. But she wanted to be a writer, and she said she made a compromise. Right. But in that compromise, neither neither party was happy. Um, so she didn't get to do what she wanted to do, and her she her parents weren't happy with what she was actually doing. So you both lose in that situation. But in this in this failure that she was in, in the end, she she always wanted to be a writer, always. Um, but in this failure where things couldn't get any worse. She got to do what she's always wanted to do. Yeah. You know, she didn't have to go to Harvard to do it. She didn't have to, like, all the rat race stuff to get to the point where she could start writing Harry Potter. No, she's like, she hit rock bottom. She had to figure out how she's going to feed her child. She said she was, a, she was the poorest she could be without being homeless in, in the UK. Uh, and so she just did what she loved, which is to write. And now she is the most successful writer of her time. Yep. Meaning she, she earned her fortune based solely on her writing. Right. And it's 
And earlier on this podcast, I said, I think it's great that we as a very small, I don't want to say unsuccessful, we're, we are successful in our own, in our own way, but we're not, like I said, we're not doing Nerdist numbers. We're not doing Harmontown numbers or, or Mark Marin numbers, but we're also talking about people that have found like great success, Stephen Colbert and JK Rowling. Um, I mean, I, I, the way I think about it, JP, sorry to interrupt, but the way that I think about it is like a 10-foot oak tree and a 30-foot oak tree are both successful oak trees. They're successful because they germinated, they sprouted from the soil, they've grown, they're hardy, they're whatever. Um, you know, we might be like a 10-foot oak tree. Yeah, that's true. We wouldn't mind being a 30-foot, 40-foot oak tree. <laughs> But so like, subscribe, and share. Yeah, help us like. gain some rings. Help us gain some rings. In our really, phones. the only people that could help us be successful is our is our audience. True. Stop being failures, audience. Stop failing. And there went We're half just kidding. Our we love you, audience. We're starting we over. <laughs> I have a question for you. Okay, go ahead. What did you hope to accomplish out of this episode? Because it's personal. Well, I wouldn't. Maybe I don't know. You chose personal. You you chose failure for personal reasons. You had to. I I chose failure because I was watching a movie. Elizabethtown. Hey, I like it was, the movie. <laughs> I like it, it was, too, but I didn't watch I, it again for the podcast. So it's been oh. a long time. I'm a failure. Well, I like it too. Elizabethtown movie directed by Cameron, written and directed by Cameron Crow, uh, starring Orlando Bloom and Kirsten Dunst. Orlando Bloom plays a guy who designs this uh, tennis shoe. And he's been working on it for years and years, years, neglecting his family is sort of like the boy wonder of the company with this new design. And then uh, it just it, it, it just it doesn't sell. It gets recalled. The running joke of the movie is that he costs them almost a billion dollars. And so it, the movie starts off with this horrible failure. He doesn't call it. A, in fact, he doesn't call it a failure. He calls it a fiasco. Right. Says, a failure is simply the is simply the absence of success, but a fiasco is something you can't recover from. And as a very dark scene where he, I remember when I watched it again not too long ago, being very disturbed at the fact that he duct tapes a butcher knife to his like exercise bike. It's a, an elliptical. Yeah, like which is really thing. weird. And he fails at that too. That's yeah, kind of that's, the, how they op- the movie yeah. opens with him yeah. failing at that because <laughs> it falls off the duct tape. Yeah. Um, and then he gets a phone call and he hears that his, his, his dad has passed away while visiting family in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And it's just about him sort of reconnecting with the family. And he meets, he meets Kirsten Dunst, a flight attendant who is <laughs> the, the, the character that actually spawned the term manic pixie dream girl, actually. Is she? Yes. I, I, I had always heard that, that was, it was Natalie Portman's character in um, A Garden State that had spawned that term. She is an often used uh, character for that, but it was a review of Elizabethtown that started it. They oh, actually, interesting. Yeah. interesting. I did not know that. Actually, the guy actually wrote a follow-up article um, recently saying that he actually regretted coming up with the term. You're not familiar with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope. How would you describe it, Chuck? Well, yeah, we brought it up before. Um, it is a eccentric free spirit type woman who doesn't follow the rules who exists primarily to liberate her white male protagonist in an independent film correct and there are certain actresses who portray this character multiple times zoe deschanel (laughs) yeah um but kirsten dunce is i still love her you guys will you'll you'll grow up someday carry on (laughs) 
Uh, so Chris is Nessa's character, Claire. She is one of these uh, man of pixie dream girls. And she does help him uh, kind of get out of his funk. And But she, what she keeps telling him, I want you to just, like, drink it in. Like, there's a horrible thing looming over you. Just embrace it. And she, he goes on a road trip with his dad. And it's a very touching story. Well, going back to your original question, Chuck, the movie definitely spawned the idea to talk about this topic. What I wanted to accomplish is, I, I guess I just wanted to see if there's anything that we can say to someone that hears all of the platitudes. Can we tell them something else to help them out of feeling like a failure? Hmm. Yeah, instead of just like the very simple, oh, it gets better. I was, I was making a joke because you were saying platitudes. <laughs> that was a platitude. I was making a thing. Oh, uh, I know, I know. Oh, okay. Because yeah. you were sort of like, yeah, and? Yeah, I, thought, I, know, I thought you were I like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I didn't, I didn't uh, button it with a laugh. That's okay. Um, <laughs> okay, I was, I was curious. I was curious. I'll tell you what I hope to accomplish so with question. So join us question. next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, why I asked the question, JP, is because, and I'm going to get real, okay? Okay. All right. Hold on. And that is because you've mentioned it a few times in this episode that you yourself feel like a failure and you feel like you failed a lot. And so my thought is, is that you addressed, is that you brought this topic up for us to talk about it so that you could get to the heart of those feelings and how you can move personally past those feelings of failure. Chuck, are you suggesting that I took my, our, our one outlet into the public world to use it to travel to the heart of my own pain and that I'm dragging you all with me? Yes, yes, Dan Harmon, I think you are. <laughs> That's one theory. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Maybe this is my own therapy. I don't know. I, I don't know if this podcast has become therapy for me. I know, that it, I know that it is the one thing that doesn't make me feel like a failure. I will say that. So maybe it's not therapy, but it's therapeutic. Therapeutic, sure. <laughs> it's holistic. <laughs> Well, well, why, JP, is this the one outlet that doesn't make you feel like a failure? Because I'm kind of doing one of the things I've always wanted to do, which is have my own show. And I could do it with my best friends. Oh, uh, and don't, get dis- <laughs> don't, don't get distracted. Hang on. And because – and listen, I just want everyone to like me. That's why. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing this. Well, we've talked about people pleasing personally, but that'd be a good episode. It's, it's not even really people pleasing. I just want everyone listening want to everyone love me. To like to love you. It's that's people pleasing. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I made that. I made a. You know, I made a joke in our very that first little article that I wrote for our website that sort of describes what this thing is. And I made that joke at the end about Adam Duritz from Counting Crows. Just want you know, we just want to be famous like Adam Duritz. <laughs> yeah. And like, but I think there's some truth to that for all of us. Um, and, um, you know, because that's, that's it's, I'm referring, of course, to the famous County Crow song, um, Mr. Jones, which is all about how um, Adam and uh, a guy from another band that they were contemporaries with, I can't remember the band now anyway, but they were, they would sit around and talk about what it was going to be like when they were famous. And in Mr. Jones, um, Adam Durrett sings that, um, um, that basically that when you're famous, everybody loves you. Um, and you'll never be lonely again. I think that's that, I think that's true. That you know we want maybe it's not fame, but that sense of like that that affirmation of love from 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 people. Mm-hmm. I think that's something. I mean, we all want that in our own different ways, and maybe that's part of the motivation for you with this podcast. And this gives you an opportunity to be emotionally vulnerable and and real and work through some stuff. And well, that's and 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 in the process of doing that, the process of process is process. In the process of 
of doing that. There's some sharing that goes along and other people might find something along the way. That's I my theory. So. <laughs> but that's why I'm asking. So, so why is this the one outlet that makes you feel like you're not a failure? What is it about this podcast that makes you feel? Because we know right now it's not the numbers. So what is it about this podcast that makes you feel that this is not a failure? Because I think it's successful. Why? We, we have an audience. Mm-hmm. We sound downright professional. Yeah, we um, we too. We have great audio yes, quality. I just you. want to point that thank out. Thank you for the new <laughs> program Samson. that we have. Yes, <laughs> new program. What, what's the name of the program? I don't. It's, it just it just says call recorder. It's um ecam <laughs> movie tools is e- the yeah. name of it. Ecam e c a m m make the best recorder we've found so far. And so our little Samson Go mics. Thank you for Samson. thank you Samson. I think that please sponsor us. But no, you you love of God. But we have addressed that you. It is a personal topic. Yes, we agree. I mean, for all, I, mean, I mean, for all of us, but it is yeah. a personal topic. But that you said this is one area that doesn't feel like a failure. So right. I want to dive into that the, into that personal topic for a little bit. Get get real in our podcast here. Okay. Why, what is it about the podcast that makes you personally not feel like a failure when you're doing this podcast? Are we because being, we're being pastors right now. This is cool. We're being pastors. Would man. you stop interrupting Sorry. and answer? <laughs> You're like many, his, you're like his too own too many pastors of the pulpit. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, and don't touch me anymore. I think it, because we are we are creating something. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're three creatives creating something. Um, we there's really no limit. To, well, except for our blacklist topics, there's really no limit to what we can or can't say or can or can't do. Um, it's led us to go and have some interesting experiences. We got to interview Rob friggin' Bell. Yep. I got to meet him and he hugged me, which I don't think I ever went over on this podcast. I don't think <laughs> you I haven't. <laughs> no, you never went over that. You never talked about on the podcast what happened. I saw Rob Bell. He saw me. He yelled JP and we hugged. We had a moment. It was nice. I won't go into it because you know, it's some other time. We got, uh, Matt and I got to go to Fan Expo Dallas. Sorry, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> I got to go another another you know convention. Um, I will not be going to Fantastic Fest. I, I applied for it and they rejected me. So we turn this mic on, we sit down, we hit record, and and you feel that this is it, this is successful and good. You wake up. Let's not say tomorrow because you'll be editing and stuff, which is along with the podcast too. So you wake up the next day. Why don't you feel successful? on the day that you're not sitting at the microphone talking to us. Oh, well. I mean, you don't have to give details about your life. I mean, in general, in a general term, what's the difference for you inside, personally? Um, Because I have not lived up to the expectations that were set by me and my family um, that were established with a lot of uh, sacrifice. Okay. Was... Uh, Go ahead. I'll let you finish first. That's bad. There was a lot of interrupting. Yes, that was bad on my part. I apologize for. I'm sorry. Carry on. There were, uh, you know, I I had a a plan, and there were a lot of sacrifices made so that I could, you know, follow through on that plan. There were uh, there was a lot of money spent. Mm -hmm. There was uh, a lot of relationships made and torn down. Um, It hit the fan. Yeah, but that but that part that you're talking about, that type, the pursuing something that you want to be successful at, and it quote unquote failing, mm-hmm. um, that's one thing. But now, when you turn on the podcast, you don't feel that. 
So, Not necessarily. So what is it on, a, on another day? What's different about right now? When I'm talking to you right now and we're on the podcast, what's different between now and JP on a Thursday afternoon at noon? I don't know. I'm just in my element. Okay. What's your element? Performing. Performing. Being a, person, being a personality. So are you not doing that on Thursday afternoon at 12? No. Why? Um, because I, I, I don't know. Oh, but I think that's <laughs> what we need to figure out. Why? Because what you're doing right now, JP, all you're doing, in my opinion, this is me, so I'm not you. So, I mean, you can be like, whatever, it's just Matt talking. But right now, we're seeing JP doing what JP loves and going for it. You're speaking your mind. You're speaking openly. You are not afraid to tell us that we're wrong, and you're not afraid to discuss topics with us, whether we agree or not. Well, the best way I could compare it to is sort of like a relationship. Mm -hmm. This is sort of like a new girlfriend. (laughs) There's no baggage, really. You know, we're just kind of having fun doing our thing, whatever. The other things like writing, it's like... Writing has hurt me so many times. <laughs> it's gotten me in trouble. Uh, I failed a lot with writing. It just it hurts to go back to it. But don't you love it? Yeah. Yeah. And and don't you go back and look at the ones that hurt and the ones that got you in trouble? And aren't those the ones that probably um, had the biggest impact on you? I don't know. I hate them. You hate them. I do. I I know. I know. I I know. You say you hate them, but would you really have given them up? I mean, honestly, be honest. Think about it. Don't just answer. Would you go back and not have written it? I mean, I would have. Yeah. Then I don't see that as failure. I see that as one step in your journey. Mm. You have to just keep going because failure, there's momentary failure. There's the unexpected outcome there's things not going the way i planned there's um, attempted events that failed and nobody showed up at there's um, events that never even got to be attempted because they were shut down because i failed to sell the vision to people Um, but every single one of those if you're constantly to use my my cheesy way of talking about it if you're constantly asking which way is it moving me is this the next step toward Every one of those, you wouldn't go back and erase the experience because it adds to who you are as a person. So the only failure I feel like we need to worry about are the failures that we allow ourselves to do against who we're meant to be. And what I mean by that is, for me, I said at the beginning, and I mean it, and if you ask me in the middle of a failure... Hey, Matt, how do you feel about this? You're going to get a whole long list of how upset I am and how much I hate it. But I actually wish my life was more full of failure because what that would say to me is I tried more. I went out there and I went for it. I took that next step just to see what would happen. I pursued it and went, it went the wrong way. It went south, but I tried. I wish I had more stories like that because the ones I do, the relationships that fell apart, the um, groups that I began in, in a church that ended, um, we'll just say poorly, um, because of people and misunderstandings and all sorts of things, I wouldn't trade those for the world when I look back at them because it's another thing that adds to my, to my voice. It adds to my experience. 
And it, like you said at the beginning, it, it taught me things about myself and about the people around me and opened my eyes to things I wasn't even aware were there, both good and bad, but always, always an awakening in a sense. That if you write something and you put it out there and you're being honest in the moment, but you post it and it goes bad and people hate you for it, you can either look at that and go, you know what? I probably shouldn't have said that. That was my fault. I was wrong the way I did that. And you can learn from that and become better in that way. Or you can find out really quick, you know what? I 100% meant that. I believe it's right. And if it's stirring up this much of a problem, I hit on something bigger than I even imagined. Um, And you can take it that way too. So to me, failure is one of the greatest things when it comes to learning. And like I said, if you know Matt personally and you talk to me in the midst of failure, you're going to be like, yeah, he's full of crap on that podcast. <laughs> because, I, I mean, none, I'm, not, I'm not great in the midst of it. I get overwhelmed. I get, I get frustrated. I start saying this didn't even matter in the first place. But when I step back and look back at all of it, I'm like, man, I wouldn't have given that up for anything. Um, because it... It, it's it's just, it feeds your passion. It feeds it feeds my soul to go for the things I believe are important, and then whatever happens out of them, I don't regret going for that. Um, a big one of those I would say, and I know I talk about it a lot, so I'm sorry, but it's true because it was big for me. Was my book. Um, some people viewed it as a drastic failure. Um, some people attacked me over it. And I would not change any of those experiences. Um, looking back, going through it, I was like, "This was a, this wasn't worth it. This isn't the time." But looking back, it, it's it's incredible. Like the the learning process, the eye opening, the the ability to see flaws and strengths that I didn't know were there. Um, it, it's it's a good thing. So like, and 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 plus, you wrote a book. Right, and I wrote Most a book. Most people don't do that. <laughs> and I wrote a book. So my point is, the only time I think you really fail yourself is if you quit trying. Um, I don't think it's ever a failure to try and to go for it with everything you can. And if it goes horribly wrong, if it ends bad, I don't actually think that's a failure. I think that if you go for things 100% because you're passionate about them and believe in them, I don't see it as failure if they don't work out. I see it as you taking that step in your journey to becoming who you want to be, and that is a lesson that will will contribute to something down the road you can't even imagine right now. Um, and, I mean, I, I'm not teaching some, like, prosperity gospel moment here. Sometimes, I mean, you might go your entire life and die feeling like you never accomplished what you went for. But if you were trying to be the person you're meant to be, other people will see your life as success, even when you saw it as failure. So I always think it will be seen as a positive. I think where where we get hung up is when we quit going for it. Yeah. Well, case in point, you got people like Van Gogh, you know, uh, artists who were never really who weren't as necessarily recognized for their genius and their talent during their lifetimes. Um, Ed Wood. Ed Wood, I think, is a great example of someone who you know people look at as as a failure um hey but you know what he made the movies he wanted to make he's by all accounts was having a good time doing what he wanted to do and hey. people have since kind of rec- recognized that there was something to him and i mean the funny thing is is we're talking about ed wood who made plan nine from outer space 
and we'll continue to talk about Ed Wood <laughs> for time immemorial, but we will never, ever talk about that Battleship movie. You know what I mean? Like a multi-million dollar project. Seriously, I forgot it was made. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, so like, so it, it's, it's, it's funny to me when we talk about the way we talk about failure and success in our, in our, in our world when, like you said, trying really is what means something. Ed Wood, I would recommend um, the biopic starring Johnny Depp, directed by Tim Burton. Um, it's just called Ed Wood. It's really great. It's, it's, I think it's my favorite Tim Burton movie next to Beetlejuice. Um, but what I, my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of that movie is at the very end. Um, and spoilers, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Um, they just premiered Plan 9 from Outer Space. And he runs out of the theater with his girlfriend and um, they get in the car and it's a convertible um, and the top doesn't come up and it just starts pouring rain. And he's like, let's get married. Let's go to Vegas right now. And she's like, it's pouring rain. We're not going to you're going to drive all the way to Vegas in a convertible in the rain. And he's like, yeah, but the rain could stop as soon as we turn that corner. Yeah. And, and, and if it doesn't, we just keep going anyway. And it'll, maybe it'll stop on the way over. Yeah. So I, I, that and that's how that movie ends, and it's it's great. I love it. That's probably a good place to wrap the episode up. That is a great place to wrap the episode. That is all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening. We love our audience. We love our listeners. We, um, we really do. We love you so much. We'd love to hear from you. So please um, send us an email. Send yeah. us a tweet. Send us a Facebook message. Send us a Dude, Facebook live video. Send us some selfies. Like put, put yeah. right Masters of Divinity on your kid's forehead or something. Like I don't know. <laughs> sign sign our petition to get JP back to Florida. Just we you know we you know we we only see numbers. We want to see faces yes. and, and words and and please interact with us, love us, or yeah. hate us, but do it on Facebook. And here's the deal: know. if you and if you and if you do talk with us, we talk about you on this podcast. So. You yeah. might even be a guest on this podcast. That seems to be the thing. Is any of our fans who interact with us, they wind up being guests on the podcast. So <laughs> if you ever wanted to be on a podcast, just, just drop us a line. Totally. Totally. That's how Rob Bell ended up here, Especially right? if you're a woman at this point. We would like to have a woman guest. So <laughs> if you are a woman listener and you have something that you would really love to talk about, please let us know. Yes. We will bump right to the top of our list. Absolutely. Well, guys, I've enjoyed this talk. Well, Matt, what are, you gonna, what are we going to talk about next week, Matt? I don't know. It's your turn. It's your turn, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll be waiting on uh, bated breath and whatnot, uh, edge of our seat. I'm sure he'll pick something wonderful because these, these have all been great. You say that but, like rubbing your eyes and like, <laughs> just, he totally believes I'm going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I have faith that you'll do your homework this week. I don't. I think he's going to be the one who's going to spring it on us because he's going to think of it on his way over here next week. <laughs> yeah, because I'll spring it on me. Yeah, exactly. And he's going to, if you're smart, you'll sell it as like, hey, so this idea I had was that it would be something that we'd all like not be prepared for. Totally. That is totally my, my plan. That's not how it's going to happen at all. Topic has been ready for weeks. So join us next week. Join us next week. Uh, if 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 wine turns to blood, what does uh, ecto cooler turn into? <laughs> uh, that is so, our topic. Something to, something to ponder. That is our topic next week. I get to pick, and you can't say no. So start thinking. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I trust me. I will read lots of Aquinas. <laughs> uh, good journey, everybody. Have good, a great week. Good journey.
Sleep on the low 